Welcome to Bridging Chicago, a podcast that aims to connect our listeners to Chicago's business, community, cultural, and charity leaders. Brought to you by SATC Solution Center, L3C. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Bridging Chicago. I'm Savannah Roundtree, one of your hosts and the law clerk here at SATC Law. And sitting with me today, we have Amy Dardinger. Um, So Amy, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm very happy to be here. Um, Currently, she's a public relations manager at SSPR, and one of her focuses is um, accelerating female voices, especially in the tech industry, which I'm really excited about, and it's really exciting to have you here um, during Women's History Month. So um, I'm excited to talk about that. But, you know, before we get to how you're a public relations manager, um, our audience loves to hear about how people, especially women in the industry, like got to that place. And I think um, your path to public relations is probably going to be pretty interesting. So um, firstly, um, I don't think you're a Chicago native. Is that correct? That's correct. I am not a Chicago native. I was actually born in Ohio. Okay. Um, But I came to Chicago because of this job at SSPR. I've been here for six years now, which is crazy. The time has flown. but before that, I was in Indiana, and before that, I was in Virginia. So Yeah, I saw that. So um, I want to talk a little bit about, I know you went to St. Mary's, which is in Indiana, and that's an all-women's college. And so was that something you were definitely looking for when you went to college? No, that was the only women's college that I applied to. So when I was looking to go to college, I was really excited uh to explore all kinds of majors. Like I didn't know what I wanted to do in any way, shape or form. Mm -hmm. And so I looked at big schools. I looked at schools in Massachusetts. Both my parents went to Ohio state. And so I, you know, went on the visit there and I just didn't feel right with Mm -hmm. any of them. And so my mother convinced me that I had to go see St. Mary's. She knew a sister who was in the convent there. And my grandpa had visited frequently when he was younger Um, He was affiliated with Notre Dame. And so Mm -hmm. I got to campus and I knew it was the right place. And the professors there are so incredibly caring, but they're committed to educating women. Mm -hmm. They are people who have dedicated their careers to it. And in a way, that's incredibly inspiring. And as a community, they want you to think and have a space. Yeah, I'm sure it's incredible, like, as a young woman to just, like, um, have that sort of sisterhood in the community where you're like fully supported and never have to worry about being like the only woman in the room and like you actually get to I'm sure like engage a lot more in your yes. classes than maybe um, like sometimes I know it was hard for me um, especially when I was like 18 19 just starting classes to sort of speak up and say my voice when you're like a little scared so that's me like incredible. Yeah, it is. And it was really interesting because as I'm sure we'll get to, I went to law school at William & Mary Mm -hmm. and that adjustment from going to an all women's college to a co-ed law school was really dramatic. It was quite the culture shock because in a group of women, you tend to build consensus. Mm -hmm. And so in a conversation or a class that's about discussion, you have lots of voices contributing and no one's really competing for Mm -hmm. space. Right. (laughs) You go to law school. I mean, that's type A people yeah, as you're it so, is. Like you're, the whole point is to compete for space. <laughs> exactly. And so my first reaction was sometimes these people don't have anything to say. They just want to be heard. Yes. Um, and that was kind <laughs> of, I mean, it was a culture shock for sure. Yeah, I would imagine so. But I'm sure that um, having that um, 
uh, like learning to cultivate your voice in that environment, I'm sure has helped you throughout the rest of your career. Absolutely. And it made me not scared of leadership positions Mm -hmm. because at a women's college, all leaders are women. And so when it comes to student government and those first really important steps towards Mm-hmm. building your own leadership style. I had those opportunities. You know, I was in charge of our residence hall association organization. I was involved in student government. So when I got to law school, I, w- I didn't hesitate to do that there as well. And I was in charge of our public service law fund. And those were really valuable experiences for my career. And at the time, you don't think of it that way. It's just your day-to-day right. life. Yeah. But looking back on it, it was experience I could build from. Yeah, that's great. So William & Mary, I actually grew up in Newport News, so I'm very oh, familiar yeah. with the William & Mary um, area. And so um, you sort of talked about it a little, but I also noticed that um, you were a legal intern for the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. And so um, law school is like, there's slightly more female students overall, but like still the legal field mm-hmm. is predominantly male. And I would assume that working within the Army Corps of Engineers is probably even more predominantly male. Is that the case? It is. It was interesting because that legal office when I was there was led by a woman, which Mm -hmm. was amazing. And I also had a mentor there. Her name is Trish Ryan. She's still with the Army Corps of Engineers. She's amazing. Um, And she was the one who helped me get into that role. And it was great to learn from her how she had navigated this. She yeah. had built up a center of expertise in environmental law and regulation that impacted mm-hmm. her division. And so she was bringing in other women, which I thought was really, really powerful. Yeah. Um, but it was funny dealing with the engineers because mm-hmm. they, a lot of them went to schools where there weren't very many right. women. And so their interactions well, are always engineering little. departments have like yeah. very few women as well. So, yeah. Did you notice, I know you spoke briefly about it before, but were there any other, um, did you notice um, any more difficulties like between that? Or do you think that the women's college background really helped you to be able to assert yourself? I think it helped me to assert myself. And I also just... The government is a great place for women in the Mm -hmm. legal profession because there is a critical mass of them. Mm -hmm. And a lot of women take that path because the federal government is amazingly flexible as an employer, which you would never expect. But they had flex time and people with modified work weeks and Mm four-day work weeks. And that allowed a lot more women to work there while they were raising their kids. And as a 24-year-old law student, you are not thinking about that down the line. But those are really good resources. Yeah, I mean, it's really hard. It can be hard to try to balance the, you yeah. know, which is something men are never asked to balance their, like, <laughs> family life and uh, their working life. But it's really important to think about that even when you are younger. So it's um, a good thing to note. Yeah. Um, and so then you, I don't think, ever went into the legal field, which no. is, um, you know, you go to law school and people, it's just like, you're going to be a lawyer. So I'm really intrigued to see like how you've entered this other field. Yeah. So I graduated law school in 2010, which Mm -hmm. was not the best time. Still in that economic downturn. Yeah, exactly. It was in the middle of the economic downturn. And so people were really fighting for jobs. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I was looking for a legal job, but I had also found through law school that it maybe was not my passion. I liked learning about law. I like being curious about different topics. Mm -hmm. And I feel like Law is one of those fields where you have to learn a little bit about a lot of things in order to be successful at it. And I enjoy that. 
which is the same with PR, which is where I ended up. Uh And when you represent clients, you have to learn their business. You have to understand exactly who their customers are and what's important to them. And so I was able to translate some of that curiosity. Um, But I, after law school, I had the chance to go back to my alma mater, St. Mary's, and work Mm -hmm. in their integrated communications department, doing fundraising and development. And that was a good transition for me. I got to use a little bit of law because I worked with some of our trust and estate specialists and there okay. were some big gifts mm-hmm. coming in through that mechanism. Yeah. But then eventually I started to really love the marketing component of it mm-hmm. and I ended up in a role that was fully on the marketing side of it. Yeah. What about the marketing like drew you to that field? <laughs> the creativity. Yeah. You get to do fun things. Mm-hmm. Um, you get to design materials and you get to participate in events and moments that make a difference. And for St. Mary's, which was a place that I loved as a college student, I got to make a difference for them by fundraising. And I also got to see a new generation of students Mm -hmm. come into the college and I built bonds with them as well as we worked on class gift campaigns and their Mm -hmm. own philanthropy. So it was a really, it was a start for me and it was something I did you know, kind of waiting out the economic yeah. turmoil that I graduated mm-hmm. in. Um, and then eventually, you know, I outgrew that role and I, I wanted to find something that was more of a challenge for me. Yeah, I'm sure it's also really great to be able to see this other, you know, um, and help empower the new class of younger mm-hmm. women that are coming up as well. Absolutely. So it was it was sort of like you were looking for new jobs and then you landed on SSPR? Yes, so I knew the director of public relations at the college really well. And one day, she knew I was starting to look at other jobs and I was potentially looking at coming to Chicago. A lot of graduates of St. Mary's end up in Chicago or they're from here yeah. originally. So a lot of my friends were already here. And she knew the founder of SSPR, Steve Simon, was looking for some new people to come work for him. Mm -hmm. And she recommended I apply, and so I did, and he called me right away, I mean, within Mm -hmm. hours, and had me interview on Skype, and then had me come into the office, and the rest is history. Great. Um, So um, just tell us a little more about SSPR and what your position is there as a public relations manager. Yeah, so SSPR is mostly a tech PR firm. We do have a broad array of clients who do a lot of different things. And my role within the agency is an account manager. So I'm hands-on with our clients, helping them figure out what's the best media strategy Mm -hmm. and really integrated communication strategy to get them to the next phase, whatever that might be. We do a lot of work with startups, but also with more established companies. And so for those startups, sometimes it's just figuring out what is our messaging and how can we establish ourselves. Mm -hmm. And for those more established companies, it's up-leveling sales or getting the next funding round or even IPOing. Yeah. Um, So you've now been in this, like, uh, you know, specifically marketing field and this job for almost six years now. Um, So have you seen any changes in the field as you've been working? Yeah, I have seen a lot of changes. And I think the biggest change is that media is diminishing, which is really Mm -hmm. sad. And so we have less reporters now than we even did six years ago when I started. And Heather Kelly, who's our CEO, Mm -hmm. she talks about when she started in the 90s, there were tons of people to contact, tons of people writing stories and competing and... Mm -hmm. I mean, she was using facts to communicate with them, (laughs) but there was a lot of people out there. And today, the competition for space is so much harder to penetrate. 
just really a difficult media landscape. And we've seen it Mm -hmm. here in Chicago with the Chicago Tribune having cuts. Mm -hmm. Um, We saw DNA Info shut down and now it's been reborn. But that's certainly a challenge. Yeah. And so I know that as... um this space um, sort of decreases, it becomes really important as to who people are talking Mm -hmm. to. And I know that um, this is something that you've written about before and about um, the gender gap. It sort of seems to be widening in some ways because of the experts that people are choosing. So do you want to talk Mm -hmm. a little bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. So they have done empirical studies of what resources reporters use when they need an expert. And generally, it is three men to every one woman who is quoted. And that can be discouraging, especially at the high end of a field Mm -hmm. and even in research and academia. Because when you're quoted, that validates your research, your Mm -hmm. ideas. And if you're not in that position, it makes it harder for you to gain a foothold. And so there are, there's an activation now. There are people that are seeing this and they are really working towards finding a more diverse um, or more diverse resources to pull from. And so as a as a PR person, I feel like part of my responsibility is to help my companies see that gap. Yeah. You know, I really frequently deal with startups that are founded by men mm-hmm. and that's great, but they have some early women that joined their cause who are incredibly intelligent and know a ton. Mm -hmm. And so asking them to relinquish a little bit so that they can highlight their experts is is something I encourage. Mm -hmm. There's also, now there are opportunities for women that are specific to women. Uh And so I think it's great to get more people out there. Yeah. So what would you suggest? Like, is it just awareness of the problem that companies should do? Or are there specific steps that they can take in order to um, sort of diminish this gap? I think there are specific steps that they can take. I think that you should look at who you're offering as spokespeople. Mm -hmm. Are you just going with the loudest voice in the room? Are you going with the person who knows the most? Mm -hmm. And we even see situations, especially with byline opportunities or contributed posts, guest posts, Mm -hmm. editorials, where a woman in the organization has written the piece. It is her work, and a man's name is going on it at the end of the day because that's the leader of their organization. And so I encourage people to co-byline something. If you feel like you really have contributions from somebody else, like you should be giving them credit. Mm-hmm. And so that's a big step. I think the other step is media training, which uh-huh. is really specific to our profession. Sure. Is you need to know how to speak to media, how to best represent your company. Mm-hmm. And so you can offer that training to the women in your organization that you can see stepping into those spokespeople roles. Yeah. And so then um, from the other side, as these like younger female experts, um, is there anything you would suggest to them to do to sort of try to get their name out there a little bit more? Yeah, absolutely. I think the first is just volunteering yourself. Um, I write for our company blog, and mm-hmm. I mostly do that because I want to. Yeah. Um, if I have an idea, I think it's worth running by our blog manager so to see if she thinks it's a good one, and then I'll go from there. Mm-hmm. I also am really, really thankful to have a wonderful editor to help me with those things. But yeah. for women that are looking to build their voice, I think that's a good first step. Where can you contribute within your organization? Can you get a, a public place to speak? Um, And then the next step of that is volunteering yourself to do the speaking. Mm -hmm. I think events are an awesome opportunity, especially industry events, to suggest yourself for a speaking slot. It'd be hard, and especially for women who feel imposter syndrome. Yeah. 
to say I'm the expert, I should be standing in front of a group of my peers and telling Mm -hmm. them how to do something. But oftentimes you do have knowledge to share with others. And so finding that internal sense of confidence is really important. Yeah. Something I've been noticing as you've been speaking is you're always mentioning your female mentors and your female bosses. And it sounds like you have a really good group of women around you to support you and help you and sort of guide you. And I also noticed when I was on SSPR's page, if you click on the like our leader team or like (laughs) some uh, page like that is just like, I think there's maybe like 20, 25 people. And I think there's one man on there and that Mm -hmm. made me really happy. So I don't know if that was like specifically something that you sought out uh, from SSPR. I did not seek it out when I joined the organization, but we are a very, very strong female organization Mm -hmm. in this moment. Yeah. And It is amazing to be able to go to meetings with my CEO and hear her speaking with other women, especially women that are her peers Mm -hmm. in terms of their leadership roles in an organization. Like to hear them share experiences is inspiring to me because a lot of them were here for the beginning of tech in 1990 when these companies started to pop up and they have Mm -hmm. all these great, fantastic war stories. Yeah. But they're inspiring too because it was really hard for women to get into the tech mm-hmm. industry at that time. And so yeah. they've really fought the battles. And I don't, I mean, I don't forget that about them because they've they've laid down the path yeah. for other people. Mm-hmm. So um, as we've seen like more and more women breaking into the tech industry, um, have you seen like particular benefits from having more women in the field? Sometimes yes and sometimes no. Mm-hmm. Um, There are definitely more female-founded startups, but I particularly specialize in B2B tech, and they're not... What does that mean? Like business-to-business technology, so software as a service and (laughs) you name it in Mm -hmm. terms of technical elements, that's usually what the clients I'm working with are, and there Mm -hmm. are not very many women founders in that space. And so oftentimes there's not a lot of women in the room yeah. and or the only women are marketers and HR people. Mm-hmm. And that's not necessarily the healthiest place to be either. Right. And so while I think there's a lot of value in listening to your marketing team for obvious reasons, mm-hmm. it it can be hard when you're in a room with all engineers. Yeah. When they, don't have, they have like that science background and they're mm-hmm. sort of doing their thing and you're over here like, well, let's talk about your image or whatever <laughs> yeah. can sort of seem like that's just like a silly female thing. Right. And it's harder for them to take you seriously, especially since we talked about before, like their fields are so predominantly male. They, yes. You know. Yeah. And I think it can be difficult for them to see beyond the engineering field because they are that is their world I mean just like marketing is my world it's hard for me to see outside of that perspective and Mm -hmm. you have to put yourself in other people's shoes Um, but I think the thing that helps everyone come together on that is putting themselves in their customers shoes so like yes you can talk engineering all day but is that actually what your buyer is Mm -hmm. talking about or the person who's going to invest in your company probably not that's actually probably not the story that you need to tell and Mm -hmm. so if we all come together we love to do messaging sessions um that's kind of how you break through and you Mm -hmm. make bonds between those two groups of people but there's still a gender divide there yeah um so what like how did you get into specifically like tech marketing in this um specific field that you're in so i've always loved tech since i was a very little girl my dad is a programmer and Mm -hmm. 
back in the 1980s or in the early 90s, there was this magazine, 123 Contact. I think it was a PBS publication. And it had these little programs and games that you could make in, okay. I think it was COBOL was the language. Mm-hmm. And I was doing that. I was the kid who thought it was so cool that these mathematical formulas could produce mm-hmm. something. Yeah. So through it all, I've mm-hmm. loved exploring tech and seeing what's new. I tend to be an early adopter. I try to keep up with my younger coworkers and the social media <laughs> platforms that they tell me I need to be on. Um, and so when I came to SSPR from St. Mary's, I had helped St. Mary's you know, stay up with the times in terms mm-hmm. of fundraising uh-huh. with people that are millennials. Sure. And so just kind of kept up that curiosity and wanted mm-hmm. to learn more about clients. So that's how I ended up yeah. there. So just another sort of aspect of your like continual curious nature yeah. and wanting to know about things. Um, so as you've been in the field of marketing for a little while, I'm sure you have um, a whole host of stories, but what was the most like challenging or most interesting project that you've worked on? It's hard to name one project that's been most successful because there's been a lot, but I think working on particularly funding rounds for clients Mm -hmm. is something that has always been something I thrive on. And so I've had several successful ones that I've worked on and to see the media hit Mm -hmm. when they get the money and for their names to be in lights and also for them to get the affirmation from their peers. Mm -hmm. My favorite one we were in Las Vegas, and okay. a client of mine <laughs> was receiving $50 million wow. for their startup. And sure. so this is a big deal. We were <laughs> yeah. at a conference. We had timed it so that it was during this conference because it was mm-hmm. a big moment for their particular industry, which is fintech. So we were at Money 2020, and we saw the articles go live. I was up at 5 a.m. Pacific time, mm-hmm. aligning things, reaching out to Boston Media, which was where the startup was based. Like calling the CEO, getting him to do extra interviews. And it was a ton of hard work and it all paid off. They got exactly what they wanted. And that happens with us for funding announcements a lot. But for him to be with him that day in Vegas and see other people come up to him and congratulate Uh him and shake his hand, that was one of the best feelings I could have. To get like the real time feedback rather than just like an email that was like, hey, thanks so much. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So what's one thing that like you as a marketer would like your clients to know about marketing? I think particular to public relations, Mm-hmm. is just that reporters don't have to abide by your rules and they do not owe you a thing. And it's really hard to understand that when you're most of the time paying for services, mm-hmm. that there's this group of individuals that are trying to come from an independent viewpoint. Right. And that's hard, especially for type A control people to understand <laughs> the that they are... They don't owe you anything. They can write what they want. Yeah. We have a free press. Right. And so that's the number one thing. Yeah, that's something I've actually never thought about. I'm sure it's really hard for you to manage, like, client expectations versus, like, actual, like, real-world actualities. Like, you can't just feed someone a statement. You know, they're still going to do their reporting. Yeah, and I think there has to be substance behind what you're saying. Mm-hmm. They have to be able to check into what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And for us, uh, for me and for our clients, some of the best way to do that is have your customers speaking on your behalf because mm-hmm. that validates what you're saying. And mm-hmm. so you can do interviews until you're blue in the face, but if you don't have somebody to back you up and be that second point of view, 
yeah, it's hard to validate. And so reporters are always looking for that. So the more that you can have other people that are evangelizing your business, the better. Yeah, that's a great tip. And so additionally, um, if there is like a, a young professional, particularly um, for, you know, this month, um, a young woman who wanted to enter um, into public relations or maybe even into the tech industry, um, what what advice would you give to them? <laughs> I have a few pieces of advice. First, I think that you should take the opportunities that are presented to you and know that there is no perfect job. Um, Good to remember. <laughs> yes, that you are going to see these dream jobs and you might think you want I want to work for this one company, but there are lots of steps along the way Mm -hmm. that you can take. And there are lots of different diversions in your career. I certainly experienced them myself and you don't have to get to your ultimate goal right away. So just taking the experiences that come to you is the most important thing. Um, I think I was lucky enough that I got to meet Elise Kopecki who used to work for Nike and now is a cookbook author Okay. And so she was a marketing person at Nike. Yeah. And now she's this sort of famous but really amazing uh, cookbook writer. And I met her this past fall, and she was talking to me and saying to me, oh, yeah, I remember, like, my early days in marketing. I thought I was going to be in this role forever. And she's like, you just don't know what's going to happen 10 years down the road. And that has stuck with me since she said it because it's ultimately true. Yeah. Um, so unless you had anything else that you wanted to hit on today – Um, I think we're about to wrap up our conversation. So if someone is looking for, um, you know, public relations to be handled, where can they find you? So they can find us at sspr.com. Also check out the blog. It has a lot of great resources and advice from our team. And then um, if they want to reach SSPR, you can always email me. It's A-D-A-R-D-I-N-G-E-R at sspr.com. Great. And Amy, thank you again so much for joining us. I really enjoyed your insights about women in the tech industry. Thank you, Savannah. Thanks for listening to this episode of Bridging Chicago as produced by the SATC Solution Center. As always, feel free to reach out to us on social media with your comments and suggestions. You can email us at solutioncenter at satcltd.com. Find us on Twitter and Instagram, where our handle is at Bridging Chicago. And don't forget to rate, subscribe, and comment on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to this podcast. Nothing contained in this podcast shall constitute financial, investment, legal, and or professional advice. No professional relationship of any kind is created between you and the podcast host or guests. You are urged to speak with your financial, investment, or legal advisors before making any investment or legal decisions. Furthermore, the opinions expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the opinions of the SATC Solutions Center, Shank Annis Tepper Campbell, or any of its employees. This podcast is created by the host and guests' individual capacities. All opinions on this podcast are or have been rendered based on specific facts under certain conditions and are subject to certain assumptions and may not and should not be used or relied upon for any other purpose, including but not limited to, for use in or in connection with any investment purposes or legal proceeding.